Welcome to the Beach and Black Podcast, an award-winning, unofficial podcast on Prince. For over 10 years, giving you Prince news, reviews, trivia, and all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the host, Rob S. I think the craziest thing that's happened is when Prince invited me and Captain to meet with him in New York in 2010. Captain. Anytime Prince gets on the guitar and he starts getting up near that top fret, just get ready to blow your head off. Player. Oh my god, that's the Minneapolis sound right there. Toe Jam. There's just layers and layers of stuff going on in his music all the time in every speaker. Find Peach and Black on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Sonny T, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is your boy Mr. Hayes, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's happening, y'all? This is Tony M, and y'all listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. We are gathered here again today around this virtual roundtable to do our final part of our mammoth multi-part 1999 Super Deluxe Album Review. There's a whole lot of words and a long sentence. Let's get the show straight on the rows. On the rows. (laughs) You've been doing a few rows, what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get the show straight on the road where the rubber meets the road. Let's get these wheels on the road. Let's do this. Our little red Corvette wheels. (laughs) Let's get the little red Corvette wheels on the road. That's exactly right. And before we do all of that good stuff, it's the Peach and Black podcast panel from left to right, player. Mommy, why has player got bombshells? Oh. <laughs> Toe jam. Are you a speed freak or are you into Valium? I'm sorry, I meant to say, do you like it fast or do you like it slow? <laughs> <laughs> and Captain. It's just one lousy motherfucking dime. <laughs> why don't you call me? It's Rob S. Rounding out the Peach and Black podcast panel. And Toe Jam, I've got to bring that. Wait a second. Does he say Valium or Volume? Ooh, Valium. Conspiracies, theories Why would about he say Volume. Volume. Valium. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to get into this. We've done the first disc, which is the 99 remaster. We've done the B-sides, etc. Frisbee disc. We've done the vault and unreleased and rare tracks. Two CDs worth of all of that crazy material and now we are finally doing the first official fully complete unedited prince concert i guess is what i'd call this this is the live audio 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 disc live audio disc that's right yeah from late november 1982 relatively early technically First of December, because it started (laughs) after midnight. (laughs) He's corrected me already. No, we're correcting them. (laughs) We're correcting. (laughs) No, we're sprint. That's true. So this is, well, this is late in 1982. Let's put it that way. Uh, Relatively early on in the tour. And the band is definitely fresh and plenty of energy on this show. But there's a whole lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. Don't want to spoil it too much. So what we're going to do is talk about that live audio disc first then we're going to talk about our general observations and conclusions of this entire set 
And then last but certainly not least, this is super exciting for all of us, but in particular for three of us who don't thing, know the results. The thing we've been teasing for like what, at least two months now. <laughs> <laughs> We're such it's finally teasers. here. And that, of course, is the survey results. All of our Peach and Black podcast listeners have voted. I want to say all, but a ton have put their mouse clicks and opinions to good use and the results are here it's going to be very very interesting to to hear this live and yeah can't wait to get to that and also a very quick thank you for all of our current peach and black plus members thanks so much for your support we really really appreciate it and if you want to learn more on how to become a peach and black plus member just go to peachandblackplus.com to find out more we hope to see you there that's good okay let's do the first bit First, the live audio disc. Has anyone got anything to say around, you know, the context of this audio disc that we're about to review? Uh, and in fact, the live show that we're going to talk about, you know, just to set the scene, uh, oh, anything course, that you want I to mention. Do. Okay, first, te- first, technically, even though it says the 30th of November, 1982, the show started after midnight. Even if it wasn't supposed to or not, it did. So this is 1st of December. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. (laughs) Yes. Audience in the Masonic Hall in Detroit, Michigan. This night was sold out. And there's two numbers being thrown around. One's like about 4,300. There's another number, which is 4,400. So somewhere around there. But the tickets cost, wait for it. It's one guy, $15. (laughs) $15. (laughs) Imagine if you could see Prince for $15 in 1982. It's just insane to even think about that in 2020. Yeah, $15. I mean, come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> and the thing wow. with this show is this was just the second night in Detroit of six sold-out nights in this hall, Masonic Hall. So, And just in these six nights, he played to almost 26,000 people. Wow. It's just, um, I think you said before, MC, these Detroit shows were practically at the start of the whole tour. They're only like the third week in. This tour was his biggest tour up to this point in his career and had approximately 93 shows over about four months. Only mm-hmm. the Purple Rain tour was longer in his entire career, which was 98 shows. Jeez. Only Musicology came close, which was 88. Wow. This Yeah, this was his second longest number of dates, like, in one tour, which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And, like, Purple Rain was massive, but apart from being a few more shows, it was a much bigger show than this. I mean, this was pretty much just one set. Purple Rain, Mm. you had a few breaks, and it was a lot longer show. So, you know, we all know after Purple Rain tour, he was totally burnt out you can see why he never really did another tour that big he went looking for the ladder that's what it yeah was. Exa- exactly but he never did another tour on such a massive scale like that many dates until well musicology which was 88 and that was basically the purple rain 20th anniversary so was he like trying mm. to do another massive tour and get burnt out just for the anniversary i don't know well, based on those numbers, he got pretty close with 88 shows, yeah. I think you said, from 2004. That is a mammoth stint. Just quickly, there was an early show and late show situation as well, right? Yeah, yeah, this was this is the late show. So just think, he did six nights in Detroit. I haven't seen it for sure, but if he did early and late show, six nights, that's 12 shows in Detroit, all sold out. That is just crazy. Detroit uh, is such a stronghold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always has been. Yeah. 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 He, and he talked about that too in the 80s interviews. He would say like Detroit. There's all yeah. like, you know, Detroit, what's happening? And then he's on that uh, Mojo interview in 86 yeah. or something. Uh, he he really loved Detroit, loved Prince and Prince loved Detroit, I think. 
did his birthday gig 86 in Detroit. Yep. Filmed it even because he knew. It's like when he, you know, when he went to like Amsterdam or somewhere, he knows, you know, they're going to be bloody great shows. Mm. There's, there's some yeah. places they just, they, they go mental and, and rightly so. <laughs> but yeah, that's all my great information for my All right. Well, that, cer- that certainly sets the scene. And let's get into the music as part of this Mammoth Super Deluxe release. Uh, what we're going to do is just, to, I guess, general observations, uh, highlights, and overall thoughts, really, on this particular disc. Super yeah. excited. No, no track by track this time. No. <laughs> oh, and also, there's one other thing. This show wasn't circulating in the collector's market. Oh, and now yes. We it's been thought, unearthed. We thought yeah. it might have been, but then we found out about the early late show thing because there was a show going around with this date and it turned out it wasn't actually this one at all. So big surprise when we got a totally unreleased show, which is good. And we should also say for everyone listening, as Captain said, we're not, uh, Captain said, pardon the pun, we're not going to do a track by track review for this show. We're just going to give overall thoughts. We do go a bit deeper though on our review of the Houston show which is the DVD part of this set. And we review the Houston DVD on Peach and Black Plus, as we mentioned earlier. That's our spin-off show. So if you're keen on that, go check that out. It's free. It's free. Go and listen to it. Oh, that's right. It is, yes. Bit of a taster for people. But uh, back to this disc, which is all music, all audio, all sound into your uh, ears. Let's get right into it. I'm going to hand over the mic to player to kick this one off for us uh yeah this is a great show it's great to have something from the 1999 era in this quality so that's awesome the track listing is very similar to the houston dvd with some minor changes and some inclusions and exclusions oh call the law He's definitely masturbating. There he is. (laughs) (laughs) Right on cue. (laughs) So, yeah, it's notable that they've got Little Red Corvette in here, which isn't on the DVD. Uh, That's very interesting. Uh, Some of the other things are switched around, like the heads in the regular set and not as the encore. He throws in Uptown as well, which is kind of a bit weird because there's sections where there's just... He's not singing at all. And I don't know if you guys are going to mention something about that, but it sounds like the mics are muted or he forgot mm. the lyrics or something. Something's going on there. I don't know what it is. But probably my all-time favorite in this whole set is DMSR in the oh, conclusion. Of course. Because it it's because it's a lot it's it he stretches it out like the way he does those kind of jams, you know, like the baby and my star sort of thing he did in purple rain like he really extended stuff out and he does it in this whereas in the houston dvd it's just kind of in the middle of the set he does a straight run through and goes to the next song but in this it's yeah it's ah it's awesome but i'll leave that to you guys that aside it's good to have pretty much the houston show but as an audio version that's portable so you can pretty much listen to this anywhere so that's really cool and yeah, I mean, there's still the cheesy stuffs in there, like International Lover and all that sort of stuff. That how come you don't call me anymore is drawn out for obvious reasons and all that. We'll get into that in the Houston DVD review. But yeah, overall, it's it's really good. It's a great inclusion on this set. So thank you for unearthing something that's not been circulating on the collector's market and issuing it in pristine quality. Thank you. Yay. All right, all right. Uh, Toejam, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, the sound is really good. For something so old, 
Um, the soundboard on this is is really really good. Everything sounds very clear. Uh, some of my highlights. Um, actually, I'll start with this one. It's just very interesting hearing these little bits in this show that are so early, 1982, and thinking like this is the kind of thing that Prince would later turn into something like a song. And uh, I've got a few references. At one point in um, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, he says, uh, Vous êtes très belle, uh, baby, mm. uh, which, you know, turns ah. up in Girls and Boys later on. And in the International Lover, he does this thing where he's like, you know, I want to give you a kiss, kiss. Kiss mm. and it's almost it's mm. almost like it's not the song Kiss yet, but it's so close. Just that little like stop and kiss. Yeah. And then obviously you've got the the Tootsie Roll reference again, which you know came up in one of the Time songs later on. So it's like it's just really interesting. I think Levi Caesar in um, the Sign of the Times DVD bonus disc, he talks about the fact that this is what Prince would do, like just little ideas and little memes and things, and you'd hear them crop up. And Levi would always notice, like in two or three years' time, that's going to become a thing, like whether it's a big song or a, that's that a song. little idea. Yeah. yeah, it'll turn into something bigger. So that's really cool to hear those little things in some of this really old stuff. Just a few things I noticed. Um, I'm not saying these are bad or, or good or bad, just interesting things. Little Red Corvette is in a different key. It's in the key of D, whereas it's normally in the key of um, D flat. So that's that's kind of interesting. Because I, I, at the end of it, it's got a big bit at the end where it goes to some different chords, like big Vegas chords, mm. and they're kind of jumping around. I thought, oh, I'll grab the guitar and just figure out what's going on there. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is in... And I started to write a rant. I'm like, wait a minute, this thing's sped up. It's in the wrong key. It's up a semitone. <laughs> and I thought, hang on, I'll, I'll just check another song. And I thought, no, every other song's in, this, in the right key. So, oh, okay, yeah, so all the other songs are all right. Yeah, so Little Red Corvette, they do it in a D instead of D flat, which is just, I don't know why. I have no idea why. Maybe just um, maybe it suited Prince's vocal range live at that point. Uh, who knows why? Maybe it was easy to play on the guitars, perhaps. Um, no, no, in- Toe Jam, you're all wrong. It's D for Detroit. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Yeah, not D flat. Um, anyway, this is something. In Uptown, yeah, players right. I think Prince forgets his lyrics in the second verse and he goes into that, uh, she's just a crazy little mixed. He comes in that, he gets into that yeah. too early and then he just like, ooh. And then I think he just must forget and then he just waits for it and then he comes in on it. So something's weird there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just like in the um, the DVD, how come you don't call me anymore? It's just so great. All that crowd interaction is so well done. Like he just has everyone in the palm of his hand through that. Automatic is funky as always. Um, but it's so fast, automatic. It is. Yeah, it's, it's quick. It's really fast. It's like, but, oh, slow down. <laughs> slow down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but it's good to hear them do the full thing, you know, like uh, yeah. all the different um, entries and tangents that that song goes on. Really good. Dr. Fink has some great solos in there on head, obviously. I yeah, think they yeah. went on head. He starts like a semitone lower, which is kind yes. of cool. It's like, oh, I yeah, was waiting for you good. to say that. It's not yeah. right. <laughs> I think it's deliberate, though. I think it's like, hey, I'm just going to try something different. I reckon it sounds cool. Because it really, I mean, as much as that solo catches your attention, just being out of key really catches your attention. You're like, what is yeah. going on here? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Uh, Dez has some great solos in A Little Red Corvette. He does some, you know, in that classic guitar solo moment yeah. in Little Red Corvette. Like, he just starts really fast and um, does some awesome stuff in that. Uh, also, Fink in um, Little Red Corvette, there's a where Prince sings the line, try to tame your little red love machine. Listen to Fink in the background. He's just doing these, like, like, synth runs on that sort of head solo sound. Really cool. I mean, Lisa, I mean, I'm being picky, but, like, Lisa's vocal seems a little bit distorted when she sings, I must confess, I want to get undressed. Being pretty picky there. Uh, there's also a bit where um, Brown Mark goes to the wrong chord in that bit in Little Red Corvette where they're doing all those big Vegas hits. He goes to the D too early or something. But I heard that and I thought, I mean, it's the kind of thing that everyone makes those kind of mistakes every now and then. And I just thought, I wonder if he got docked for that because you, you do mm. kind of notice it. He like hits the wrong note. He's like, oh, shit, back down there. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I'll leave it there. I might have some more. 
but that's the ones I can I've got at the moment. So yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, the sound's really crystal clear. It's a great show. The crowd is definitely into it. You know, often in these Prince live recordings, he he tends to have the volume of the crowd really low. But I think in this one, they're they're still low relatively, but they're a lot more present. They're they're, they're screaming in there and. Prince is having a great time. Um, it's just really good. So I mean, this is the this is the earliest show available. The earliest Prince, whether you're talking DVD, audio, uh, whatever, um, streaming. This is the earliest officially released show that you can that anyone can get. So from that point of view, it's really cool to hear, especially the stuff that you know you know later on became like big things. Awesome, awesome, Captain. What do you think about this show? Oh, okay. Let's go. It's a great intro. Starts off with controversy, and I like how that slowly builds. Like, first you just got the kick drum, then the snare comes in, then the guitar comes in, the bass, and it's cool how they just introduced one at a time, and they just builds it up. That's a cool start to, and not just a song, but, you know, the show. Interesting placement of Do Me Baby as the fourth track, not the third, as ballads usually would be. I guess you could say Little Reykjavik's semi-slow song, I don't know, but that was interesting. Uh, of course, Fink's solo in head, classic as always. How Come You Don't Call Me, great as always. Automatic. Once again, just like on the DVD, I think I like the live version more than the album version. Like the sound of Brown Mark's bass is just so good. I mean, what he's playing is just simple stuff, but just the tone, the bass just sounds good. And there's a breakdown and it's just bass and drums. I love it. It's great. 1999 itself, the song, it's pretty good. Especially the last few minutes when they're just jamming out on that intro. Des does a big yeah. solo. Bass is just thumping along as well. Sounds excellent. But I think my biggest highlight is same as player, DMSR. You mm. could even say it's the gold standard. Ha <laughs> Uh You know, it's got, like, got the perfect synth intro as opposed to on the video, <laughs> which we, we talk about when we on that review. So that's good. No mm. mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> One annoying thing, though, in is uh, you can't hear... Lisa's mic is basically off. Like, you can hear her through, like, the rest of the stage, but her mic is off, which is annoying because you can hear her singing, like, way back from other mics on stage, but her I mic wonder is just off. I wonder if her mic died because in head, you can hear... When she sings that line, it's clearly, like, fuzzy and distorted and maybe the mic died or they just turned the fader down or something, so... But then you still wouldn't hear her. Like through the other fold back on stage. Because hmm. she's not singing that loud. She's singing over the entire band that you can hear her. And maybe it was just distorted and they just chopped it out for this. <laughs> if they had the multi tracks, they can just take it out. So, yeah, so there's that. Don't know what that's all about. Some great guitar interplay. And I love it when that walking bass line starts up. It just sounds so good. Something I never really noticed on the album version, but you can really hear it on this live show on the bass is it really reminds me of Dance Floor by Zap, Roger Troutman, yeah. Yeah. which is a classic track and also from 1982. So someone someone borrowed a little something from somewhere. Let's just say that. They're very similar. Uh, <laughs> and then, end of DMSR, you get these constant modulations. It just keeps going up and up and up. Oh, yeah. And you're just good, like, eh? how many times is this going to go? And then it yeah. finally gets to a point and then it's just like bang, 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 back down. And you're like, oh, okay, we're, we're back. That's just yeah. crazy because that's that that's a very unique thing for him to do. It is, yeah. Like he was playing around with it, and like I don't, I can't think of anything else where he did it that many times in his whole career after this. Um, synth solo about six ten, and again you can barely hear it for some reason. Whether they've pulled it out or it's just 
you know, there were audio issues on the night. That's annoying because that's only short solo. But again, you can hear it through the other mics on stage and you're like, oh, there's a solo. Turn it up. It's like, oh, I can't hear it. It's annoying. But yeah, DMSR is the highlight. The disc, the whole thing, it's audio itself is pretty good. I mean, it's a soundboard recording, but it's not without its issues. You know, there were several points where it sounded like Prince's mic was muted as well. Like, you could, again, you can hear him on stage through the other mics and stuff, but his mic is off. So again, I don't know whether that was done on the night at the venue or if it was done afterwards on the multi-track. So don't know about that, but that's all I've got to say. It's good. I'm very happy to have a full, as far as we know, unedited live show. Perfect quality. Almost perfect. The end. All right. I'll just say yes, what player said, what Toe Jam said, what Captain said in many respects. But I do have some observations about little subtle things that happened throughout this gig. I should first start off by saying that the sound quality is exceptional. You guys have all said that, but it is so refreshing to have really high quality audio of a live Prince show. Uh, It's not overly compressed. It sounds like you're at the show. There's a lot of bass. I mean, obviously there is some compression. The bass is pretty thick when you're playing it on speakers and you just get the vibe that you're there. And what a vibe, right? Like it starts it off with controversy and what a great opener. I I think it's one of his, you know, that track as a concert opener is one of his best vibing type tracks where you're like you're just like oh man this is only this can only get better if you open with a track like that and the crowd is clapping in time with the kick drum and you can hear them doing that the one thing that i noticed was really weird was the drums in particular the snare seem a little bit behind the kick Uh, actually and i'm like listening to it listening to it on, on repeat trying to work out was bobby like behind yeah, I noticed that. I was listening to it because, you know, he's obviously got the Lindrum as well. Yeah. And it's just like a sync issue with him playing live stuff and having the Lindrum going as well. He's doing a lot. Like, yeah. he, is, <laughs> he is really doing a lot. In I thought era. that as well today, actually. Like, Bobby Z is doing a lot. Exactly the same oh, sort of yeah. thought. He always yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that kind of stood out to me. But the one thing that I love about Controversy, like, we know it's a synth funk classic right minneapolis sound just one of his great funk tracks but i love hearing the two guitars on this oh, it's yeah. just when you put them together it it almost creates like a rockin' version of controversy rather than just a funk track that's bloody great just on that you know what i like is the audio separation on that you've got des on the mm. right and prince on the left and it's yes. just perfectly obvious who's who it's so it's it's really good the way they've separated yeah, you can, it. you could pick them out, right? Like you can listen to them individually, but then it comes together nicely as well. So that's yeah. really cool. And they're chugging. Like they're literally chugging throughout the track. <laughs> so it's just great attitude. You know, that's like I was about to yell out, where's Nile Rogers at? Because it sounds like, you know, he might as well, Nile might as well be on stage for this show during controversy. He would have fit right in there. It's just like that perfect funky rhythm playing par excellence. Des is great. Prince is great. It's, it's just a great open up but it's a classic one-two punch you follow up controversy or the rockin version in my view of controversy with let's work which is like a rockin version of that as well he combines grease uh, chicken grease guitar <laughs> grease salacious <lightning>. <laughs> salacious synths and bobby is riding those cymbals man it's just so groovy i feel like bobby's drumming on this show is 
dare I say it, like just funkier and rawer than what he would do on the Purple Rain tour for some reason. Like I actually prefer listening to him or here. You can maybe it's because of the mix of the audio. Like you can really hear what he's doing. Um, the my and bubblegum is all you get line. I mean that's just ridiculous. Hot dick and bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. I tried to beep that out, but it didn't work. Um, <laughs> it's just didn't, didn't someone do that as an intro on one of the shows? I think so. <laughs> it's just so immature and funny to listen to now. I'll leave it there. The guitar solo sounds a little weird, though. I think it's Des playing that. Like he, he pulls it off, but it's just you're expecting the album version and you get something yeah. a bit more he wandering. just does something um, else and you're like oh and then it sort of ends up back at the album version but it starts off doing something different altogether yeah but again the two guitars on this track there are two guitars on little red corvette and then to make matters even better double the keys and synths baby it's just fantastic and then there's, there's a massive coda at the end of this song which is great but i love the fact that you know, he tries to slow things down. Well, he tells the girl to slow down in, in Little Red Corvette and then goes straight into Doomy Baby. So after he's told her to slow down, the perfect sequencing, master sequencer, <laughs> Prince Rogers Nelson, absolute perfection. That's an A plus from me. And then hearing all the But then it goes into just... head. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Head didn't oh, yeah, even think about that. Four, that four, yeah. four, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's even better. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Brilliant how he does that. And then hearing the, you know, the audience, and I'm going to presume mainly the ladies screaming like crazy the minute they hear those first notes from Doomy Baby is really, really cool. It's a great jam. And again, I've got to give Bobby Z some more praise here. His hi-hat work on Doomy Baby, it's like rough and ready. It's just great drumming. It's, it's not easy to drum and keep the beat that Bobby's keeping on this arrangement. And he, he doesn't miss a beat either. It's just... It's great. It, it sounds like he's playing the drum kit and someone's playing a tambourine next to him. But hold on. Wait a minute. It, sit it, down. It's one guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one it's guy. It's one guy with the drum machine. <laughs> his name is Bobby Z. Yeah, uh, you know what I think it is? I think the Purple Rain Tour was such a massive production. There was no room for any like looseness. But mm. on these earlier shows, it was just a bit more raw, a bit more... You know, you could just play around. But Purple Rain, yeah. everything was set. All the songs were set. There were certain sections where they jammed out, but it was a, you know, it was a pretty tight production. And yeah, this and was a bit more free. So I think that's why it's you might like what he's doing. And you can hear him just playing around. It's good. Yeah, and he is really, really tight on the Purple Rain tour, but he's got, like, as you just said, a little bit less space to maybe yeah. be as, as creative. But maybe it's just a different sound, I guess. But... um now, this version of Head, I have to say, is much better than the version of Head that's on the DVD from Houston. Ooh. In that, it actually contains Dr. Fink's full solo. It's the longer, mm. nastier, proper version. Like, he, he doesn't shorten it. And um, that's just great to listen to live because the album version is so classic that to replicate that live is really a feat. And you know, Dr. Fink gets as close as possible to nailing it. What's cool about Fink's solo as well is, uh, yes, it is the full solo, but it's not note for note. He does kind of do some little funky variations on it. So it's it's really good. Mm -hmm. Like you follow it as the solo, but it's not just note for note. It's really cool. Yeah. You're saying Prince gives better head in this one. Uh, but actually, Dr. Fink gives better. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dr. Fink does. Um, he takes his mask off. He takes his mask off. It oh, goes for God. longer. It goes for longer, which is <laughs> important, I, I've heard. How come you don't call me anymore? Way too long. Oh gosh, he what? he would really get Come on. he would really get better at doing this later. That I mean, is even the one night. No way. Yes way. How come you don't call me anymore? Is the low light of this set, but it's still great. Omj. Everything on on this audio disc is pretty much kick ass. But if I had to choose my least favorite, that's how come you don't call me anymore is probably on the bottom. Oh. Of the list. Wow! <laughs> oh man, the way in the, um, in the after the first chorus, he literally stops playing the piano and just sings. And like you can, mm. he's just got everyone in the palm of his hand, and it's like he's just playing so soft, and just just plays like one note here or there, just to keep the chords going. You know, it's really good. Okay, <laughs> I'll have to take your word for that. Or you could just listen to the song. <laughs> Here's a highlight for me, and this is for me the highlight of. I'm not going to say the highlight of the set, the super deluxe set, because there's too many to name. But this is definitely my favorite part of this live audio concert. Automatic. Holy moly, is this incredible. Every Prince show, especially the best Prince shows, Prince concerts, every one of them has a point where everything just comes together. There's a point in the show, everything just kind of amalgamates and it creates this cohesive soul, a cohesive sound. And this is the song where it happens for me. The band is on fire. They've warmed up. They're in lock and step. This is crazy funk. This is crazy. It's complete with just feel and vibe and attitude. Everyone is smoking. They're playing exactly what they should be. And they're coloring outside the lines a little bit. Like this is the big wow moment on this disc. I could just play this on repeat all night. And I would never like this replace it almost replaces the album version for me. And and it's just so darn good. The other thing I have to say, I don't know if you guys noticed this, is during this performance of Automatic, it comes complete with guitar parts that sound like they came straight out of the long version of Computer Blue. I did notice a little thing. You know the dun dun dun. I did hear some little guitar bits, but I didn't recognize what they were at the time. But yeah. think that's what it comes from. I just from. knew it was so, something. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's the bit I think it is in the album version, but they really rock it out on this one. So, and then you like those, you definitely, Computer Blue is definitely, you know, the sequel to Automatic, I think. Mm. Yeah. And this is late 82, right? So they record Computer Blue not too long after this, really, in, in mm. the history of Prince. Mm. Uh, I've got TV. a question about Automatic. Is that your highlight of this disc because of the song itself or the performance? Or performance, or because of that small section, which, like you said, no. happens in almost every show, which is just perfect. Oh, uh, well, I think it's that. I think it's so it could have been in any of the song, sh- and then that would have been your highlight. Uh, no, not really. I think what I'm saying is like it's the performance that's the answer. It's mm-hmm. like this is for me the great perform, the greatest performance of any song on this disc because just like I, uh, I was going to refer to the Houston DVD anyway. Yes, this is the <laughs> this is the one. Because this is something we've I don't think we've ever talked about, but I have mentioned it on a few tracks that we reviewed on albums where like, you know, from 432 to 446 is like just freaking perfect, but it happens in live shows. And at any live show when that happens, it is my favorite thing in the entire show. And 
if anyone knows Professor Groove and the Booty Affair, I used to go and see them a lot in late 90s, 2000s, till now. And back in the olden days, I used to partake in various substances. And I would just be waiting for that moment in the show when everything, like the groove was, everyone was just locked in and it was freaking perfect. And I would just lose it when that happened because it is my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. That And it still happens to me now, even though I, I might not be with the substances anymore, but I still recognize it 100% and I still lose it because I know it's just freaking magic. Usually it doesn't last more than like 30 seconds to a minute and then like just something falls off and it's it loses it. But there's always that section in a show. Yes. Well, not, well I, Captain, I, I, won't say all, I won't say always, but a lot of times. And that is my favorite thing in the entire world in live music. Well, you've just encapsulated and summarized exactly the feeling that I have listening to this automatic or seven or eight, however many minutes of it. It's just, Bang. you want to, you want to get high on the funk and synth funk. God yep. darn it. This sounds good. Oh man. Anyway, <laughs> it's just crazy. Now I have to say this 1999, no one said this yet. And I was, when I was writing my notes, I thought oh, people are going to bring this up. I don't want to go last. But luckily, no one actually mentioned this from memory. We left it for you. Yeah. Ah, thank you. <laughs> now, what the heck is going on during the song 1999? And in particular, my question to you guys and to everyone listening is, where did the audience go? Did the crowd just decide <laughs> to get up and leave for that part of the show? There is no crowd. Trying there to is beat no the audience. They're playing. They're like, oh, yeah, we've seen enough Prince show. We're just going to leave for the, for the first eight to eight and a half minutes of the song 1999. Um, I think we've heard enough. Seriously, all the atmosphere and the vibe of the Masonic Hall and all that just gets completely taken out, extracted out of this audio disc. And it's the only real flaw, I think, with it. Like, listen to this performance. It's like I didn't, soundboard. I didn't notice at all. Audience <laughs> gone. They're playing to an empty room, pardon the pun. And then all of a sudden, at the end of it, eight and a half minutes later, there or thereabouts, oh, guess what? Guess what the audience decided to do? Make some noise. <laughs> randomly come back from their bathroom break that took eight and a half minutes. And all of a sudden they're yelling again. And it's like, Ooh. huh? Now, if you pay attention, there are little bits and bits. But the point is you can barely hear them. All you can hear is the band on stage. And it's really jarring to me because up until that point, especially after Automatic and an International Lover, I'm like, oh, 1999's coming up and... Boom, studio version. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Maybe the audience is just like in awe. They can't even make any noise because they're hearing this song live for the first time and they've just yeah. got their heads blown off. It's a sign yeah, of respect. Well, like Japanese <laughs> cinemas. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I very much doubt Detroit would have been sitting there still <laughs> and quiet. But the thing I, I want to say about that is, you know, going back to when the first few notes of Doomy Baby come on in this concert and all the they know, crazy fans go, oh, yeah. I was expecting that to happen with this. This is the big song. And it's like, uh -uh, doesn't happen. So anyway, just thought I'd mention that. And you guys have covered DMSR. I can't say too much about it other than I actually think Head might be a better closer. Like this is insane, an insane performance of this song, especially with those, what did you guys refer to it as? The the end bit, the, the crazy end bit. Modulations. The crazy frog, crazy frog mm. modulations, yeah, out of control. Just keeps going but, up bit by bit. Yeah, it's so, it's so unique. You're right, he just has this ability to arrange 
a song and pull stuff out of nowhere. And I really wonder whether they came from Prince or maybe from from uh, Dr. Fink, Mr. Matt Fink or uh, Lisa. But that's it. Those are our thoughts on well, the live audio disc. I got a few more things. Disc. I got a few more things. All right. It's interesting that Head and Uptown segue one from the other with the same beat, backing beat, uh, Lindrum ah. beat. Which is interesting because for Head, it's a little bit faster because obviously Head's a bit slower than Uptown normally. So when they do this live, Head's a bit faster than normal or than the studio version. And then Uptown's a little bit slow to me, I think, just because they want to keep that tempo the same segueing between the two. Um, so that's interesting. Something else that's a big um, one of these things that you hear Prince say and then you think, wait a minute, he's going to use that again later on. In um, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, he does this, I went to the doctor and he said, you know, Prince, and he and said, Prince, Prince, you're just going yeah. through a phase. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, doesn't he do that and nothing compares to you? Like yep. almost that same, almost the exact same Went to same the line. doctor and he said, Prince, yeah, it's exactly the same. Wow. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, I heard that as well, but I, again, I couldn't pinpoint what it was from, but yeah, it's nothing compares. Yeah. Wow. I really like in uh, his vocals in Do Me Baby, in the second verse, um, I think it's the line that goes, here we are looking for a reason. And he fades in on that, here, like really cool. Mm. Uh, it reminds me of um, Got a Broken Heart. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> Got a broken heart from Aladdin. He does a similar thing, you know, when he uh, fate, like he yeah, pulls the mic yeah. away and then he just brings it towards him as he's belting out yeah. a note. Uh, that's really cool. Um, there, there's just a few more little tidbits. Oh, one more thing as well. Uh, MC just said he thinks Head's a better closer <laughs> for the show. No, no jokes. But it's interesting, both on this show and the DVD. No matter what song is the closer, it still ends with that '99 intro of "Don't Worry." <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't matter what track he closes with, that always that's the end. Once you hear that, you're yeah. like, oh, it's all over. It probably Start is. Running. It could well be like a cue. Yep. To get off the, the stage. You know. Yep. Lighting guys, sound guys. Yep. We're done. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yep. Elvis has left the building. <laughs> I only want you to have some fun. Now go now. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's the audio disc. Now. Let's talk about this entire set, this super deluxe six disc special edition. What a package. Uh, we've been talking about this material for many, many, many hours, days, <laughs> weeks, and months of work. We've finally almost come to the end of it. Let's get everyone's final thoughts. I'm going to go in the same order. Final thoughts on the 1999 super deluxe edition, Mr. Player. Okay. Let's start with the positive. This is a fantastic set. It's very well thought out. They slightly missed the mark on it, but it's very, very minor. But all the main features are there. The vault material, the packaging, the content selection, the booklet, the photos, the live CD, the live DVD, the remastered discs, uh, the B-sides and extended mixes. Like This is all the things that I want to see in future editions going forward yeah so that like we said in the first show when you line up all these prince releases that they're all a uniform and they've all got this sort of content there's maybe two negative things about this the set that i can think of the top of my head one is the frisbee disc we've said this probably every episode <laughs> regarding seven inches and and all that and it, it surprises me they've added mono into the mix now but that whole disc is gotta go <laughs> it, it just really is a useless disc. And okay, well, we're recording this in February, but as of recording, I still do not have a copy of this. And I bought this the first day it came out online. Now, 
you know, we've talked about this 1999 fiasco. It's just frustrating. I, like, I get it. Like, the future is not bricks and mortar retail shopping. The future is internet shopping. I get that. But, you know, there's something nice about going to a store and finding it and purchasing it. And I think back to all the Prince releases that came out when I was a kid. I associate that whole experience. Like, I know what day, you know, that I went there to buy this release. Like, you know, and sometimes there was like midnight releases and all that. And that's part of the buying experience. You wake up, you go to the store, you buy it, you take it home, you look at the artwork, the lyrics, you play it. That's all part of You have this sort of emotional attachment to it. You kind of lose that now with the internet. The thing that's frustrating for me is the Beautiful Ones book. It was so hard to obtain a copy. I eventually got it. It was such an effort. And it's the same with this. Now, I know that Warner Music changed their distributors from a company called Technicolor to something called Direct Shot. And not just this release, but most of the releases coming out of Sony, Warner and Universal have been affected by some sort of stuff up. And this is collateral from that. So I know this is not an isolated case, but it's just frustrating because after Love Sexy, 1999 is probably one of my favorite albums. And unlike Piano Microphone, where I had no interest in buying it because I didn't want to send the message to the estate that that's what I Hmm. want as a fan. And it was everywhere. (laughs) And it was everywhere. This, I'm practically throwing money at them and I cannot get it. So I've canceled my order because I'm just so done in chasing it. And I I really want this release. I really want to have it. And it's it's just impossible to get. Now, I know that's not the case everywhere. Some places people can get it readily, but just, you know, I think that end of it really needs to be sorted out so that people have multiple, you know, you have choice. You have the ability to go into a store and buy, like, I know I can go into a store and buy a single disc copy or the two disc version. I don't want that. I don't want the regular album and the Frisbee disc, you know, and if you've got the ability to ship it to stores like that, you've got the ability to ship the premium product version, you know, so just make it happen. Just do it. And, you know, I compare it to, you know, when you go to a restaurant and everything's perfect, the food's perfect, the ser- you know, the service is perfect, everything's great, but then you'll have that one waiter that's like just a real dickhead. <laughs> and whenever you think of that restaurant, no matter how good the food is. He's ruined it. He's whatever, ruined the whole thing. He's ruined it. Yep. And that's how I feel about this release. No matter how good you know everything is, it's just this one thing that brings the whole thing down. So I know it's I know it's a picky thing, but it just affects me as a fan because it's so frustrating as something that I really want I cannot get. So mm, like <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to hold back, but yeah, I think the the actual work that they've put into it is like 98% there. It's just these little things that bring it down, but you can say 99. Whole, it's, it's 1999. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it, it it is really good, but it's just it's just you just got to take a few more steps just to get it to where it should be. So, I think uh, apart from that, it's great. All right, all right. Toe Jam, what are your final thoughts on this super deluxe set? Yeah, I think this is to me I I struggled to st- to not say this, but this is the greatest Prince release ever. And I think I said this on one of the shows. It's my favorite album and everything I want to represent my favorite album. There's two discs of outtakes and th- th- those discs are chock-a-block, you know, the, the full-length CDs. And um, it's almost like every song on the 1999 album has a, a song that you could slot in and you could replace it and it wouldn't affect the album that much. Like, you know, we talked about 
a song like Delirious, great song. For me, you could put Turn It Up in there and the, the album wouldn't be any worse. Um, you've got a song like uh, Lady Cab Driver. You could swap that for Rearrange. I'm not saying Rearrange is as good as Lady Cab Driver, but it's a similar kind of tempo and and beat and everything. It's like it's like a replacement song. You've got um, a song like All the Critics in New York. Uh, you could replace that with Purple U Music. You've got 1999. You could replace that with uh, Possessed. It's like you've got like almost another album's worth of a great fucking album in just the outtakes it's it's unbelievable to me like this 1982 is by far the greatest prince year of all time my favorite album all the outtakes like just the sound of it prince was just a workaholic you know it's just crazy to think that most of this the studio stuff was recorded in like say um you know late yeah. 81 up until mid 82 and then he's yeah. doing this tour this massive tour that captain was talking about before like what was it, 80 90 shows or something it's just Within yeah. a period of 12 months, it's like, it's just, it's mind-boggling. I've said that so many times about Prince, but it's just like, how the hell does he do this? Like, <laughs> so much stuff in, in, the, in a period of 12 months. And he was in the midst of putting together the Purple Rain movie as well, in the midst of all of that. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. I've had all the studio material from this, the 1999 album, the officially released B-sides, and all the outtakes. I've had that on an MP3 disc in my car for basically three months now. And I haven't even got to the point, and it's just, you know, random song, random song, random song. I haven't got to the point now where it's like, mm, I think it's time to change to something else. It's like, I just keep listening to it. It's been three months straight and I'm still listening to this album. It's what, I'm, it's what I've been listening to. Crazy. Wow. So for me, these live discs, the DVD and the audio disc, like they're just the cream on top of a beautiful cake. I mean, they don't need to be there and I would still say this is fucking amazing, but the fact that they're there, it's like, yes, please, please, more of that, yes. So I totally agree with Player. Like, this is how I want, you know, Side of the Times, Purple yeah. Rain, it's someday maybe they could do a better one. Love Sexy, oh, my God, Graffiti Bridge, all of these these classic albums. Like, if they, if they put the same amount of care and attention to detail and the right you know, they do it right and have all the songs related to that album from that period. Like, that's what I want in future releases. So I, I really struggle to say that this is not the greatest Prince release of all time. Um, I was very, 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 very lucky to get a physical copy, I think. Yes, you were. Um, yeah. So uh, I may not have the same gripes that some of the others do, but I do, hearing that, I, I do feel sorry for you guys because it's like... Well, just, this is just look, yeah. it's not just player. Literally, yeah, no. three out of four of us couldn't get a physical copy. I don't have yeah. it. MC doesn't have it. Player doesn't have it. Yeah. You know, I just put that down to distributors. I don't know who they are, what the issue is, but it's like, I don't know. What 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 what, what can we do? So it's, it's sort of beyond our control, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the anyway, other thing my, is... That's my final thoughts. All right. Just quickly on the... Um, the other thing, I think I mentioned this at some point. It was possibly the first episode or the first part of our multi-part mammoth multi-part review of this set i did mention that the set has pretty much always been available on the prince estate website which for quite a while it still has been and i mean it is available to order you can choose shipping to pretty much any country in the world so and they do have stock so i mean it is out there it is available and it can be purchased pretty much by pretty much anyone in the world so if anyone yeah. is keen and, and interested and you're just and omitting the fact you're paying a ridiculous overseas price, postage cost yeah. yeah i mean if you're in a, the last time i looked if you're in australia for example you're paying 88 us dollars including postage and gst i know many of our listeners are you know from other 
parts of the world. Um, but it's about 130 Australian dollars. And then you might get charged with another 10 to 15% from customs. So you probably end up paying $150. But I think it is important to say it, the set is available for those that want to get it because it's there at the source. But to player's earlier point, I mean, it's also frustrating with the likes of, for example, Amazon. And again, Amazon, one of the biggest retailers in the world, the uh, the number of products and items and ebooks and, and digital products that they sell these days is astounding. So, you know, they didn't, for whatever reason, and don't want to get bogged down in this, obviously, because you guys have already covered it, but they didn't do a great job in making sure that they had stock. And I certainly... Uh, feel that someone who ordered a pre-order that didn't get it months later is kind of ridiculous. And um, that's what happened. Uh, Captain, go. You can purchase it for $150 instead of 100 Yay. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> okay, Captain. So Your thoughts on the set. So after all we've said on this release over the last bunch of shows already on this massive release, I thought I wouldn't have much left to say. And then I started writing and then I couldn't stop. So (laughs) I'm just going to try and fly through this as quickly as I can. There's two main points I can think of that I want to talk about. And they're very similar to player as, you know, usually happens for some reason. One, first thing, this is a great release. I've said it before. I'll say it again. ToeJam just said it. This is the best. I'll say this is the best posthumous release so far. And it could be the best release ever. It's not perfect, but it's very, very good. I mean, there are several songs which have been omitted for reasons, and I think most of us logically understand why. But apart from that, it's a great release. I mean, we've got the 1999 album remastered. We've got a second disc of B-sides and mono edits. Uh, we got 24 vault tracks. Come on. I mean, that's the best thing about this release. And they could have stopped there and blown people away that still would have been better than purple rain deluxe where you only got what 11 volt tracks 24 here they could have stopped there but no you get two full concerts one audio one video that is just great and i think we said this at some point but like now that they've put this out first there was purple rain deluxe now there's 1999 super deluxe so they've set the bar at these levels for these sorts of releases now. So any future deluxe or super deluxe releases that don't live up to this level, that's just going to be disappointing and will probably reflect in the numbers of sales they're going to get. So hopefully this is the bar that it is at now. So let's continue and I'll be very happy with that. This is a great release. That's the first thing I've got to say. Second thing I've got to say, which player also talked about, is hashtag... 1999 Super Deluxe Fiasco and the basic unavailability of this release in some areas. I'm not going to go way into it. We've already talked about it a bit. Like the hows and the whys, you know, we don't know for sure who did what, but I'm sure either Warner Brothers or Paisley Park or NPG Records or The Estate or whoever this is aimed at must know what went wrong. If they don't know, they'd better figure it out, get their act together before the next release. Because this was a big issue, and I'll say they definitely lost income from this fiasco. Like, you've got three people here who don't have a copy. You know, we want to buy it. We want this. It's just it's just not happening. Like, we can speculate they didn't press enough physical copies, or it was there was distribution problems, which is very likely the case. Whatever it was, 
fix these problems before the next big thing, the next release. Like just speaking for myself, I'm just not going to buy this product now. The fact I can't even walk into a store and buy it is the main reason. The other option is to import the box set from overseas at a ridiculous cost. I mean, this is 2020. You know, it's not like it's 1989 and the only way we can get, you know, a certain release is to import it from overseas. It's like, have we gone back in time? What is happening? It's stupid. I mean, just look at that option. Player hasn't got his copy. Months, months after the release, he finally just cancelled it because it's just not happening. And I haven't bought it. I cannot. And I'm not going to pay a 50% increase in the price from 100 to $150 just to get it. That's, that's just not an option for me. Like, I understand it's 2020, streaming is huge, CDs are dying medium, but I think the biggest consideration has to be that average age, the, the median age of Prince fans in general. I'll just take a rough guess and say it's roughly 40. You know, you could go five years either side of that. We all grew up with CDs and cassettes and vinyl. You know, a lot of people I know around my age don't stream much at all. They will when there's no other choice, but it's not something we like doing. And even when we do, I'll just record that live stream and then I've got my copy of it and I'll never stream it again. So it's not like there's any repeat income of that three cents for the estate. I'm sure the estate would get more money at the end of the day from a physical release, even if it's a few dollars as opposed to cents that they're going to get from streaming. I mean, for the people who were saying that, oh, well, I got my copy, there's no problems. Well, that's great for you. But understand, your situation is not everyone else's. Many people had issues getting this release. Uh, I mean, there's people, there's still people who, like player, have ordered it months and months later. They still don't have it. That is just pathetic. And again, I'm not pointing fingers directly at anyone because we can only guess one of the many reasons why the fiasco occurred. But, you know, if it's distribution issues or whatever, apart from all that, back to my first point, it's a great release. It's just a mass, like, just like player said, it's just a massive shame that I can't even support the estate by purchasing a copy without ridiculous costs. Like, I want to buy it, and it has sort of ruined this release a bit for me in that way. Like, maybe we just have to go to Minneapolis and just buy it in person. I don't know what, <laughs> what other option is there. The end. MC, take it on. Okay, what can I say about this set that hasn't already been said by you guys and by me over the last many, many parts? There's really nothing I can add outside of saying that this is an absolutely brilliant little box, whether you look at it as the CD discs or the super crazy, um, I think, Vinyl. 10LP vinyl set, which looks absolutely amazing, it just visually. Um, such a great collector's piece for people. Yeah, I mean, this is, they really hit it out of the park with this. The level of thought and care was really, really on point. And it just whets the appetite for future releases. If they are anywhere near as good as this, it's going to be an absolute treat as a Prince fan to experience. And I, I think the better word is re-experience and, and re-fall in love with and discover and rediscover Prince's music all over again. And in many cases, as the four of us did and, and many Prince fans around the world did, you know, putting those unreleased discs on, that was just an, 
man, it's incredible. You know, we have this wealth and treasure trove of music that much of which has never been heard before. And those two discs was just great examples of stuff that would, one song was emotional, another was was surprising, uh, yet another was just absolutely overwhelming and the sound quality. And it's just really, you know, overall, uh, I've got to give this incredibly high marks because they actually put care into the product. And I think it reflects the quality of the release, reflects the quality of prints, really. You know, this is a great testament to his work and all of the many hours of blood, sweat and tears that I have to say, not just Prince, but the band as well. You know, there's two live discs here. There's other material that band members played on. And I've really got to give it up to them as well because their contributions are now, you know, (laughs) this is like 1999 has been covered brilliantly. You know what the crazy thing is? They could probably do, and I mean, what I'm about to say is absolutely ridiculous, but theoretically, they could do a 1999 Super Deluxe Edition Part 2 <laughs> if they really, really wanted to. They could do, you know, even more outtakes. They could do other shows. This is the crazy thing about being a Prince fan in this day and age is that there's probably so much material. They could release uh, the original remaster from Bernie Grundman, which, um, in my opinion, <laughs> is better, which is my opinion is better than this one. Yep. Plus different outtakes, <laughs> different live shows. I would buy yeah, that if it was even possible. And ditch ditch the Frisbee disc. There you there go. You go. <laughs> yeah. We've already made so, it for them. So there's just a wealth. I guess the point that I wanted to close with was there's such a wealth of material to mine and they smashed it. This was a home run. Uh, as far as the, the material itself, this is an absolute home run. And for you guys, like, you know, Tojan mentioned this is his favorite. I think you said this is your favorite album? Yeah. What? You asked that like you don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. So this is brilliant. This is brilliant. So that was the Peach and Black podcast's diverse <laughs> array of opinions and thoughts on the overall Super Deluxe Edition of 1999 seminal album by... Minneapolis funk genius, Prince Rogers Nelson. It's one guy. Um, <laughs> that's right. And now we get to a super exciting part of the, the show. The moment you've all been waiting for since, geez, I don't even know. When did we start the survey? It was a while ago. Yeah, plenty of responses. Thank you so much for everyone who contributed. And now it's time to open up the curtain and reveal the results of the famous Peach and Black podcast survey. Oh, just take ma- it just, away. Just mention player's the only one with the results. Us three don't have a clue. Player's been sitting in front of his spreadsheet with his eyes firmly glued to the results for a little while now, probably with a grin on his face, going, I can't wait till these guys hear this. So Yeah, we have no idea. We don't know anything that's coming, <laughs> so I'm ready for the bombshells which he promised at the start of this show. <laughs> bombshell bombshell uh. turning in this is this show's turning into a bold and the beautiful uh, type <laughs> <of> episode. Okay. <laughs> Player, take it away. The floor is yours. Like sands through the hourglass. <laughs> <laughs> so This is the 1999 Super Deluxe Peach and Black Podcast Survey. Thank you to everybody that voted. We did get less votes than our previous one originals, and we put that down to people not being able to get the sets. So the people that did participate, thank you for um, voting. We're going to go through the results now. Still, still a massive number. 
that voted, even though it was less than original. But, yeah. but it was down. As previously said, the three guys don't know what I'm about to say, but I am screen sharing the results. So as I announce it, they'll be seeing it <gasps> and we'll go through it. So let's get into it. So the first question was 1999 Disc One, the remastered sound quality of 1999. And 60.9% said it was better than the original release with more detail in the mix. So, what's fascinating about that is in our part one episode, we (laughs) kind of went into the fact that uh, it was a bit more compressed, a bit more peaking, a bit more brick-walled than the original or even Bernie's remaster. But according to our listeners' ears... They're, they're liking what they're hearing. So 60.9% say it's better than the original. Hold your tongue, Captain. Hold your tongue. <laughs> Something that's really interesting is right on 17% and 17.8%, so there's really nothing to it. 17.8% say it's the same as the original release but louder, and 17% said they can't hear a difference. So, <laughs> um, Well, you know what I put that down to? Like I said before, you know, if you look at the, the average age of Prince fans, you're looking 40, 40 plus. Our ears are not that great anymore, as much as we'd like to think they are. They're really not. So that, that probably explains a bit of that, I'd say. What? Could you repeat that, Captain? Exactly. That. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and 4.2 said it was too brickboard for their liking. Yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> that's Captain voting 40 times. <laughs> <laughs> so generally for the first question, the remastered sound quality, people think it's better than the original and there's more detail in the mix. So they're liking what they're hearing is basically the answer to that one. Yeah. So now we'll move on to question two, which is the promo mixes and B-sides. Ooh. So the... Only material I'm interested in here is number one result was the B-sides at 38.1% and the extended mixes at 35.1%. Interestingly enough, way, 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 way down the list at 5.3% were the mono edits and at 9.4% were the 7-inch edits. So out of everything on that disc, the 7-inch edits and the mono edits are the least favorite. But you know the interesting thing about that question is it says... The only material I'm interested on this disc, 5% mm. said the mono edits. That's the only thing they like on this entire disc. That blows my mind. <laughs> they don't like the B-sides. They don't like the extended mixes, the 7-inch. No, it's all rubbish. I only hear for the mono edits. Okay, then, Prince fans. You, that was you, you as well, you wasn't spoken. it, Captain? Own up to it. That, that 5% it. of Prince fans has spoken. <laughs> Let's go. And 12.1 said nothing they can do without the disc within the set. Frisbee! So, basically, people like the B-sides and the extended mixes. Yeah. Well, I think so you can't have the set and not have the B-sides. They have to be on there somewhere, so. Yeah, yeah. So, should we get into the vault tracks? Oh, Question um, three. I don't know yes, if I'm ready this for this. I'm, this is what I'm looking forward to. So, we're going to go from the bottom. So, there's 24 tracks here, the bottom to the top. Anyone want to have a guess what number 24 is? I don't know if I want to see this. Well, hang on, hang on. Have, have it before. Let's let's all guess on what we think number one's going to be. Like the oh, best God. One. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to actually- predict, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say purple music, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> you want it to be purple music. That's what I you're want saying. it to be purple music. So. <laughs> okay, I'll have a guess. And this is far from what I think should be number one, but I think so many people said rearrange was unbelievable. I think that's got to be way up the top three. But not for me, but that's what I think it'll be. What do you think, and Rob? Rob S. Ooh, I'm going to go with Purple Music as well. 
I have to say it, like it is, it is the best track, isn't it? We're about to find out. <laughs> Player did also ask us, what did we think came last? So what do okay. you guys, do you want to do it quickly, go around, Tojan? It's got to be Colleen, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Colleen or, um, Colleen. wasn't there another instrumental as well? Well, I'm thinking it could be the live one because it's kind of, Sort of a weird thing. Oh, the tour like rehearsal the, the, thing. The rehearsal, yeah. But I think I think that'll be like you know twenty three or twenty two or something. We'll see. All but right. yeah, I think it's going to be Colleen, go, Surely, I'm going to go with yeah. You know, is the worst song. Ooh. Well, the one that's voted as the least liked. I'm going to go with yeah. You know, you know. Okay, so number twenty four. Colleen. Toji and. Ooh. Captain, you're right. There we go. It's got to be. So these were voted on a scale of rate them from 0 to 10. And the average for Colleen was 6.07 out of 10. So roughly about 6 out of 10 track. That's way too high. (laughs) (laughs) So that's number 24. Number 23 is You're All I Want. Oh. It's number 23, which is 6.56 average. 22, Money Don't Grow on Trees at 6.8. Two out of ten average. What's that? Baby don't care. Baby don't. Yeah. 21st was teacher, teacher. Oh, seven out of ten average. What? I'm telling you, bombshells. We're getting there. Wow. We're getting there. Teacher, teacher. Okay. So that was, let's get into the top 20 now. So that was Colleen, You're All I Want, Money Don't Grow on Trees, and Teacher, Teacher. So number 20 was Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. Oh my God. Okay. You know, as much as we're saying, oh, my God, this is wrong, when you think about it, there's a lot of quality material here. So, some, you know, even this stuff that's 20th is still damn good stuff. Yeah. Yes. But that's pretty low for that song. <laughs> 19 is Delirious full-length version at 7.26 out of 10. Okay, okay. How does Can't Stop This Feeling I Got and Teacher Teacher get worse than Delirious, which is literally 10 extra seconds? <laughs> Of unheard stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, there it is. 18th was MC's guess of Ya yeah, You Know. Average was 7.29 out of 10. It came in at 18th. 17th is the Lady Cab Driver, I Want to Be Your Lover, Head, Little Red Corvette Tour Demo Medley ah. at 7.31 out of 10. 16 was Turn It Up. Oh, no, you've got it wrong. That, that is <laughs> I, wrong. I haven't got it wrong. This is what the listeners have voted people for. People have so. spoken, Captain. Yeah, the people are wrong. Turn it up. So there you like go, 16. Five. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So average was 7.35 out of 10 for Turn It Up. Now we're getting to the top 15 now. So number 15 is No Call You. Oh, that's wrong is as well. Wow. <laughs> 7.3 out of 10. Oh. 14th, get your pina coladas ready <laughs> if it'll make you happy. <laughs> That's about where I think it should be. I can't believe that so high. If you have half a brain, <laughs> if you uh, love making love after midnight, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> this came 14th at 7.35, average out of 10. Oh. 13th is don't let them fool you, 7.47 out of 10, which is quite surprising actually yes. because we rated this not so much wow. on the survey, but. It's kind of halfway, which is interesting. 12th. Anyone want to take a guess? Oh, halfway point. I'm in shock. I, I, I don't know. Meow. <laughs> okay. Uh. Vagina is 7.48 out of 10. It comes in at 12. Number 12. Mm. Halfway point. Okay. Fair enough. 11th is fill you up. Oh, it's still too low. So now we're getting to top 10. Anyone want to take a guess what number 10 is? This is like the... The 10 best tracks on these albums. Irresistible Bitch. Hey, there you have it. Oh, what? 
I would rate it higher. Tenth, but oh my god, tenth is yeah, made the top ten. Bench. Made the top ten. Yeah. It's in the which is seven point seven eight out of ten average. So we just got Nine. to the top ten, and like four of my f- entire favorite songs on this whole release <laughs> are in the bottom fifteen. Yes. Great, great. That's there correct. You, <laughs> there you go. So ninth is International Lover Take One. Average is eight point oh nine out of ten. That is good. Mm. That is pretty brings good. us to number eight, which is Something in the Water, hmm. which is eight point one zero out of ten. That baseline. That's that baseline. That's what got it to number eight. Seventh is Possessed, 82 version, at 8.34 out of 10. Oh, people love that, don't they? That's got to be up there, yeah. yeah. Six is Do Yourself a Favor, at 8.36 out of 10. Oh, that is good. That is good. Really high. No way. That's a a bombshell. That's a surprise. That is a surprise. That is a bombshell. It's a great track. I was the one that stuck stuck up for that. Stuck up? I stood (laughs) up for that track. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the people are with me. Uh, do yourself a favor to me is the wouldn't you love to love me of originals it's just no way should it be that high <laughs> people have spoken captain i'm sorry oh, number six people have been wrong so now we're up top to five th- top five here we go so fifth is bold generation at 8.39 out of 10 boom Fourth is Moonbeam Levels, 8.39 oh, no. out of 10 average. There you go. Captain's, mm. Captain's predictions on target. Yeah. <laughs> Third is Rearrange at 8.41 Ooh, out of 10 average. There we go. Average. I, I, call, I knew what it was going to be high. That's a good song, but it's not yeah. that good. Well, you said top three, so you did make it. I can't even think what's left. So s- well. second is How Come You Don't Call Me <laughs> at 8.44 out of 10. Oh, the other take. Yep. It is great. Wow. Which, which can means- only mean something is first. I can't, and at I can't even 9.06 think- out of 10, <gasps> massive 9.06 out of 10 average is purple music. Oh, my wow. God. Of course. There we go. Yes. So, just to give a recap for what we just broke down there, 24th was Colleen, 23rd was You're All I Want, 22nd was Money Don't Grow on Trees, 21st was Teacher Teacher, 20th was Can't Stop This Feeling I Got, 19th, Delirious Full Length, 18, Yeah, You Know, 17th, Lady Cab Driver to a Demo Medley, 16, Turn It Up, 15, No Call You, 14, If It'll Make You Happy, 13, Don't Let Him Fool Ya. 12, Vagina. 11th, Feel You Up. 10th, Irresistible Bitch. 9th, International Lover Take One. 8th, Something in the Water. 7th, Possessed 82 Version. 6th, Do Yourself a Favor. And then the top five was Bold Generation. 4th was Moonbeam Levels. 3rd was Rearrange. 2nd was How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. And 1st was Purple Music. Wow. It's insane. You look at those first 11 tracks, that makes one kick-ass album or disc. I've that's just got to crazy. say, that's that's a very different list to my list of top, top, <laughs> we know top that. 24 tracks. It's, <laughs> yes, Captain, there, There's we some know which that. are similar, but yeah, overall, not really. Wow. For me, the biggest bombshell is Rearranged being number three. I mean, it is a great track. I love it, but it's not. It. I mean, that that should be like 10th or something, I think. That for me, that's the biggest well, bombshell. The, the thing that I've just noticed is that out of the top 11 songs, seven of from them- from first to number 11? Yeah, so the top yep. 11 songs from one to 11, yep. seven of them are songs that people already know mm. and have known for many, many years. And I think that's more than a coincidence that people rated songs like How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore 
moonbeam levels, possessed, something in the water, international love, irresistible bitch and fill you up in the top 11 tracks as voted by you. Isn't that interesting? Like you look at a lot of the other stuff and there are other, other songs that people have heard before, but I don't know. Maybe it's familiarity as well. You know, you know something, you recognize it. I think but, that is um, a factor, but I also wonder if it's, you know, these the bootleggers back in the 80s and 90s, like they probably- <laughs> this market. You know, they probably made some selections and, you know, they may have listened to something like Possessed and realized, well, this is probably better than Yeah, You Know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably why some of those better songs made a lot more bootlegs, you know, because they were just better songs. So it's kind of a, you know- it's a familiarity, but then you wonder, well, it is a better song. That's probably why it got pressed on bootleg more often. Yeah, very interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. So People have spoken. Just to recap that, Colleen was a 6.07 out of a six point oh seven out of 10 average, and Purple Music was 9.06 out of 10. So the spectrum of songs on here ranged from about a 6 to a 9 between mm. all the tracks. So a lot of 7s in there. Yeah. Um, Seven, 7s Purple and 8s, yeah. Purple Music was way up. Yeah. Which is to so, say the overall quality of the material is pretty good. Pretty high, right? Pretty, Based on the fans. Pretty. <laughs> so that's that's the Vault Tracks. So let's move on to the next question, which was the Vault Tracks Extra Lovable and Lost You Always are excluded from 1999 Super Deluxe for their controversial themes. In your opinion, these two songs should have been now... Included unedited, included in an edited form, for example, the vocal of the offending part removed or faded early, or not included. So, for included unedited, it was a whopping 58.4%, mm. and included in an edited form was 32%. So, between those two figures, 90.4% would have liked these two tracks to appear on 1999 Super Deluxe in either an edited or an unedited form mm. not included on the disc was 9.6% so 90% wanted those two tracks on this album so an executive decision was made not to put them on there fans doing our survey kind of disagree <laughs> and those numbers are pretty damn strong so yeah like we don't get 90% of people agreeing on anything that's that's a massive number. <laughs> that is a massive number. It is massive. So, um, yeah, I don't know what sort of tracks they're going to come up in the future that they're going to have to make a decision on whether it should be included or not included. But, I mean, we've said we, we understand why, why they haven't included it, but the consensus here is um, whether they put it on there unedited or even if they take the liberty of making the edit, people would still want to have these tracks. Yeah, so, problematic. <laughs> very problematic. Yeah, wow. Okay, so live in Detroit, we asked them to score it out of 10. The average was 8.58 out of 10, which is pretty damn high. Mm. Same for the Houston show. It got an 8.07 out of 10, not as much as the wow. Detroit. That's really but, interesting. Yeah, it's a little bit lower than Detroit, but the DVD was also... An eight on that scale. That's really weird. I mean, the audio is the audio, but then the DVD yeah. has the audio plus the whole thing of you, you can watch it as well and it's still scored less. That is strange. Yeah. Wow. It is strange. So we've asked people to rate question seven, Prince 1999 Super Deluxe, rate the following out of 10. So there was nine choices here. The last bottom ninth out of nine was the seven inch mono mixes. 
they rated that a 4.95 out of 10 average. That's about right. So, that's about right. <laughs> it's quite low. That is by far the lowest, low. yeah. Eighth was B-sides and extended mixes at 7.83 average. The live video was seventh at 8.23 average. Remastered sound quality was sixth at 8.49 average out of 10. Live audio CD was fifth at 8.84 out of 10. Fourth was the booklet photos and essays. 8.94 out of 10 and the top three third was overall content selection at 8.99 out of 10 mm. packaging came second at 9.13 out of 10 and vault material was first at 9.27 yep. out of 10 as it should be so yep. the top three was vault material packaging and overall content selection they rated the highest um, the lowest was the seven inch of mono mixes unsurprisingly so that was the result for that. If you guys have any thoughts on that, just chime I'm in. still confused why the DVD is rated lower than the audio CD. Is it just a better show? Yeah. I don't know. Well, when I was listening to the live audio, I thought some of the performances were better than what was on the DVD. And I don't know why. Well, it's yeah, definitely it better be. sound quality, so... Maybe maybe it's the sound quality. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, the DVD, I mean, like, it's a bit pixelated. It's It's not the greatest video footage even though it is pro shot, you know, it's not as good a sound quality. So I can see why. I can possibly see why that's the case. But there's almost nothing in it. I mean, it's not like a huge difference. I'd much rather have that DVD than the audio CD. Just for the fact you can watch it alone, even though it's not great, perfect quality, it's still pro shot show from 1982. Come on. <laughs> I think we're getting picky now. Maybe. Now that we know this stuff's coming out, we're like, eh, we're getting picky now. Spoiled Prince yeah. fans, here we go. Maybe the audio, you can stream anywhere, you hear it on the go. Maybe yeah. people are listening to that more, whereas you have to set aside time to sit down and watch a DVD. So maybe they're not into it as much as the live. Uh, who knows? Yeah, you can CD. always rip the audio from the DVD too. <laughs> yeah, you could. So let's move on to the next question, which is, I believe, what we'd like to see next from the Warner years. So there was like 15 albums in the Warner years that we put from the very first for you album up to about the gold experience i know there was chaos and disorder and all that but we, we took them off so unsurprisingly you would never guess what the next album <laughs> P- prince fans want remastered and released at a whopping 17.5 percent came batman first <laughs> classic <laughs> i'm batman We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Was Sign of the Times, yeah. unsurprisingly. It's the highest album that people want seeing remastered. Second was Parade and third was Love Sexy. They're the top three albums. So Sign of the Times was 17%. Parade was 13.8%. Love Sexy, 10.2%. They are the top three. I'd love to see Love Sexy. That's my first preference, but that came in in third. So Estate, they're the numbers. But just running down the list, so it was Sono Times Parade, Love Sexy, Around the World in the Day, Gold Experience, which Gold Experience sounds pretty damn good. If it, yeah. if anything, it'll be all the extras that I'd like. If only that. they could somehow unbrick wall and uncompress that, it would sound probably even better. Yeah. Six with Dirty Mind and seventh with Controversy. Interestingly enough, we put in there none. I would like a brand new unreleased album first instead of a remastered disc. And that came eighth. So that came in eighth. So there are people there that are looking for new material from the vault. Ninth was Come 
10th was the Love Symbol album and 11th was Diamonds and Pearls. <laughs> 12th was Batman. <laughs> Interesting enough, <laughs> Interesting enough is the bottom four, which is 13th was Purple Rain, 14th was Graffiti Bridge, 15th was the Print album, and 16th was For You. Mm. Prints <laughs> and For You were less than 1%. Mm. So They would actually be really fascinating, though. They would be fascinating. We don't, we don't have that many outtakes from those albums, really. Yeah. But in terms of what people want next, it's not high on the list, actually. It's at the bottom of the list. If surprising, Graffiti Bridge is at the bottom of the list as well. But not surprisingly, down the bottom of the list is Purple Rain. Now, I think there is the talk of a super deluxe Purple Rain, but yeah. clearly the fans are a bit sick of- Purple Rain uh, era. <laughs> the, that horse being flogged. So, I think people are looking for something new. I know they like to hover around this era and I know that, you know, they got that First Avenue gig on video. Yeah, and that's already remastered. It's ready to go. I'm sure they found other things in the vault and I'm sure we're going to see a Purple Rain Super Deluxe. But according to this, it's not what fans want. Well, look, we're only a few years away and it's going to be the... 40th anniversary is that right yep yeah so yeah there's there's the perfect chance right there yeah i'm sure they're holding it over till then the interesting thing with this list is sign of the times parade love sexy around the world in a day gold experience dirty mind controversy so that shows you how high people rate the gold experience you know right up in like the 80s the best of the 80s which blows me away because i think that but i didn't think that many other people thought that I'm really surprised yeah. that gold experience is that high. Wow. I think it's also to do with the fact that it, that era is known to have a lot of outtakes ah, and there's yes. so much material from that period. So, yep. you know, they could do a really stunning package that puts- So it, much unreleased stuff. Yeah. And it just puts everything together, like, you know, cum, gold, chaos, and just puts it all together in, in a package that has the outtakes. That'd be cool. Wow. I'm surprised Diamonds and Pearls is quite low considering it was such a commercial album. Like, I know that when they do a re-release of that, that's a potential moneymaker in the sense that, you know, they really, you know, it was a very big album of its time. But fan-wise, you know, they rated it as 11th. So, very interesting. Wow. Okay. So, we asked the fans to rate 1999 Super Deluxe an overall score out of 10. The average score was 9.07, which is very, very high. Very, very good. And to put that into context for reference, when we did our original surveys, original's average score was 8.16 out of 10. So mm-hmm. it rates higher than original's. It's pretty damn close to 10. You can't get much better than 9.07 other than 9.08 and above. So <laughs> this is... <laughs> Very well spotted there. <laughs> so this is this is rated pretty damn high. And that's it. That's all the questions. That is wow. the Peach and Black survey. Thank you to all the listeners. Some bombshells and some great insights. I'm I'm in shock at some of those things, but wow. <laughs> so if you like that survey, as of today, this episode is being released. We're gonna put out our next survey. And that will be the top 20 Prince songs of the 2000s. So a bit of a roundup. Basically, many, many, many years ago, uh, we did our massive favorite greatest Prince song of all time survey. Um, this was actually the survey that Prince noticed us on. because That it, it was got the one. Some, yep. Yeah, it got some pretty good exposure for us. So basically, when we did that survey, the top 20 songs pretty much all happened to be songs from the 80s. 
So then a few years later, we use that data again to do our countdown of the top 20 90 songs. Now, there's been something missing in our collection of surveys over the years, and that is top 20 Prince songs of the 2000s. Now, obviously, when we originally did that massive survey, this was back in like 20, 2009, 2010, there was still like you know six years worth of Prince songs to be released, even a couple that have been released uh, since Prince's passing from that period. So we've put together a whole new survey, and uh, it, it shouldn't take you too long, but we're basically asking you to select your favorite 20 Prince songs from the year 2000 up until his passing in 2016. And uh, man, I tried to do the survey myself and I found it very, very hard to just nail it down to 20. But yeah, you can pick one, you can pick two, you can pick three, anything up to 20. You can pick 20 songs uh, and then we're going to put it all together in a um, countdown episode uh, where we'll count down the top 20 songs of the 2000s. So it's a big list. There's a, there's a lot of songs to choose from. So get ready. A lot. And yes. the best thing about this survey is I'm not looking after it. And you get to be surprised by the results yeah, of the show. That's the nice. First, yeah, for the first time. <laughs> no, uh, Toadjam used to handle the earlier surveys. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna get back into the swing of it. Hmm. Yeah, so we're dropping this we're dropping this today. So if you're listening on the day it's of out. release, it's it's out, it's dropped. And the link is tinyurl.com forward slash top twenty print songs two thousands. So that's tinyurl.com forward slash T O P two zero P R I N C E S O N G S two zero 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 S Top Twenty Print Songs Two Thousands. Enjoy. But don't worry, you don't have to remember that. When we put this episode out, we'll just put the link on the Twitter and on the Facebook and you'll see it right there. So you can remember that or you can get it from the Facebook and Twitter later. Now, before you say, where's this song, where's that song? We did have to draw a line at some point as to what was included. Like there were some things, like there were some cover songs and a few bits and pieces of weird rehearsals and live stuff. So there's not everything there, but it's the main stuff. No cover songs. Um, I tried to limit it to one version of every song. Like often, you know, there's some songs that have like three or four different versions of them. So I've tried to limit it to just one where possible. And obviously, you know, Third Eye Girl stuff's in there, even though that's Prince and Third Eye Girl. I still counted that as Prince material. So it's all in there. Enjoy. Now, make sure you make sure you vote. You have to vote. You've got to be in it to win it. That's what they say. Now, I don't know what you're going to win, but it might not be anything. But vote. <laughs> okay this has been another episode of the peach and black podcast can you believe it guys we've come to the end of our crazy multi-part review like we we laughed about how many hours we talked about originals but we've we've topped it now this is this is the biggest album review we've ever done it is insane i think we might all collectively need as i have said in the past a shower a cigarette and a stiff drink not all together by the way that's not what i meant but just (laughs) You know what I'm. You know what I'm getting at. Oh gosh, we're getting a bit delirious now. Ha, ha. Thank you. Ooh. We've done. And what a way much. to end it, Captain. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for supporting the show. Oh, what else is there to say? Anything to there's plug? There's one more thing. Yes, yes. There's one more thing to say. Go over to peachandblackplus.com to hear the very last episode in this series. Oh, the DVD. Yes, the Houston DVD. The episode is free. Just go to peachandblackplus.com. You'll find it there. It's out today, the same day as this episode. So you're getting a two, two, for, two one. for one hit. 
and go check it out. You need to go there now and find the episode. And while you're there, have a look around, see what you think. <laughs> okay. Oh, before we go, we've got a shout out. I know players got something to say. Yeah, a quick shout out to another fellow podcast called Mountains in the Sea podcast. Go and check it out. It's an alternative to our podcast and every other Prince podcast. What? There is There's an there. alternative to the Peach of Lake <laughs> podcast? Yeah, if we're not around, Ooh. then check out some of the other people out there. And yeah, check it out. Mountains and the sea. Thanks, guys. This is it. This has been another Peach and Black production. And we'll see you in another show soon. See ya. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another classic Peach and Black podcast. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, and all good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. You can continue your Peach and Black experience online. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S., MC, Player, Toe Jam, and Captain. Original theme music by yours truly, Toe Jam. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and Prince fans. If you love our show, please write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can contact the Peach and Black Podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial at gmail.com. 